You are listening to the Mom Halo Podcast. This sweet ear candy will serve up laughs and aha moments as we talk to best-in-class thought leaders. These folks are dropping gems of genius. I'm Melana Kapitz, CEO and founder of the Mom Halo community. I'm a fun, fearless, freckled mom with three wild kiddos. I love to introduce you to ideas and people that will rock your world all while laughing out loud because that is the only way to get through the daily grind of parenthood. Plug in your earphones and let's get to them. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the Mom Halo podcast. I'm your host, Alana K. Fitz, and we have a very special guest with us today. I'm super excited to introduce to you um, Chantelle Pisson. Welcome. Woo! Hi. Hello, hello. Welcome to the Mom Halo podcast. If you are not following this woman already on Instagram, if you do not know who she is, if you've not read your books, you're in for a treat. So why don't you take us through, please, who you are, where you're from, and what you do. Go ahead. Okay, well, I'm uh, I'm from Toronto, Canada, so I'm a northern gal through and through, city girl. Um, and yeah, I'm 52. I'm well, probably depending on when you air this, I might be 53 because I have a birthday coming up, June 1st. Um, yeah, I you know what? I am a very complex, messy human being <laughs> trying to get through this thing called life without losing my cool. Basically, is who I am and what I my you know, my whole journey. And that's really where my brand came from, right? Without losing your cool is just, uh, cause I, I have a very difficult time with that. I'm super a type personality. I have a lot of trauma in my background and, you know, I am very reactionary. And so I've spent a lot of time in therapy and doing a lot of work and a lot of healing, but somehow I still am quite messy. So I own all my, all my shit, all the good, all the bad. And, you know, throughout that journey of just, developing into a, an adult. Um, I've been married for 34 years now. I have three daughters. Um, I have a grandson, my first grandson. I own a marina north, <laughs> north of the city that I kind of fell into with, you know, eyes completely closed. <laughs> I thought I'm just going to scoop some ice cream and sell some penny candy, get kids uh, high on sugar and send them home to their parents. And it's obviously it's a business that's so become a much bigger beast than that. Um, so I typically am the kind of person that um, I'm not the sort of person that overanalyzes. I just jump. I, I'm like, I get an idea in my head and I jump. I'm like, you know, the opposite of what Liz Gilbert writes about in Big Magic, you know, her book where she's like, when an idea comes to you, like you've got to really honor it. And she's coaching people how to accept ideas. I'm the opposite. I've got to, I got to manage my ideas <laughs> a little bit better rather than just like grabbing onto every one of them and running uh, toward the end zone with them. So that's pretty much me in a nutshell. Okay. I love that. I also love that book. Such a good analogy. I'm not sure if I knew about the Marina, by the way, we can talk about that. Um, <laughs> yeah. awesome. Why are you so coolest? You're the coolest. Okay. Tell us about your family. So you have a few kids and a grandkid. Tell us about that. Yeah. Yeah. So um, for those of you who maybe don't know me and that you're meeting me for the very first time, I met my husband, Yannick Bisson, who's um, an actor, Canadian actor. He's currently the lead actor on Murdoch Mysteries, um, which is going into its 16th season now, which is crazy. Hard to, hard to believe. Um, I think it's, I think it's historically the 
longest running, not so much as far as calendar years, but the highest episode count of any Canadian series, Uh Um, which is really, it's just amazing. Um, So he and I met when we were 15 and I couldn't, I I was dating somebody else and it was actually his friend was asking me out. And then three years later, he and I, we kept crossing paths. And then three years later, we met at an audition where we had to play boyfriend, girlfriend, and kiss. And he asked me out, and I literally never left from our first date. So he's been stuck with me yeah. for 34 years. Um, you know, we got pregnant really, really young. Um, we were together four months, so we barely knew each other. And obviously, we're just a couple of punks running around. And we got pregnant with our eldest girl, Brianna, at 19. So she's now 33. And she's a professional makeup artist, but now, as you know, she's a full-time mama because she just had her, our grandson, her baby boy, Rory, in August. So we're just, you know, we are an all-girl family. We have three daughters. So for us, it's the first time, you know, having a boy. And she's, yeah. she's like, he's starting to move around. He's doing the, like, army crawl. Yeah. <laughs> And he pulled his high chair down on himself yesterday. And he's got a big, you know, big welt on his head. He rolled off the bed, you know, last week. She's like, oh my God. And I'm like, girl, boys are busy. <laughs> boys are terrible that way. Like she's in for a world of pain. That's awesome. Yeah. That's what we told her. We like, I just said to her, I said, just relax into it. Because if you worry about every bump and bruise, like you're going to be neurotic. And it's all I've ever heard about friends who have boys is like, they're a whole different beast. So we're all learning at the same time about boys. So yeah. And then our middle daughter, um, Dominic is 31 now, and she was a professional stylist in Los Angeles. Um, she worked with like, she worked actually directly under Kanye West for a time at Yeezy where she was, um, helping his creative director. So she had some really great times doing that. Um, she dressed, you know, guys like Big Sean. She assisted with Kelly Rowland. She dressed Travis Scott for the Super Bowl, which is like huge. She did a big Playboy wow. layout styling him. Um, she she wasn't in the layout. Travis was in the layout. She just dressed. <laughs> Let me be clear. She she brought the she brought the magazine home, the issue home, and she said, "Look, Dad, I'm in Playboy, but only in the way you want to see me. Just my name." I love it. Awesome. I love that. It's so fucking funny. So she did that for a time, um, and then you know, kind of as families do when you have a baby, babies bring you together, right? So she moved back from LA. Um, when Brianna had Rory and now we're all here and she, uh, Dominic and our youngest daughter, Michaela, who's 25, they started their own clothing line. It's called Broken Chic. And it's a really, really cool line because what they're doing with it is they're, they're thrifting and sourcing vintage pieces that um, they're up. So they're recycling, but they're also, they're like taking blazers and they're making what they call Gemini blazers. So they take two blazers and they stitch them together um, and they're really fun and really cool. So that's something they're doing with their vintage arm of their, their brand while they're also developing new pieces and original pieces. And what I love about what they're doing is that, you know, as women, our weight fluctuates like five, 10 pounds throughout the month. Right. And you go to put on something cute to dinner and you're like, oh, right. I'm, uh, you know, I'm on my period. So, I can't wear that because it's too tight now. Well, what they've done is they've designed their pieces to be um, adjustable. 
either that. with either with like ribbon, like with a tank, like a tank top that has ribbon in the back or a jumpsuit that has braiding in the back. So you can loosen and tighten it as you need. And all their fabrics have a lot of give and flex in them so that you still feel comfortable in them. So it's really, it's really smart, smart um, designing that they're doing, which is fun. And it, they're all staple pieces. Like you can build a wardrobe around them. What I love, Chantel, about what you just said is just the the amount of pride you have in your kids. Like you are just so gushing about, you know, your kids, like all of their successes are your successes, you know, deeply their lives and their contributions to the world. And to me, that's what I heard. Like I heard all of their beautiful major success and milestones as young women, but like it's your gush that really is inspiring. And I think, you know, in terms of, of your story, which is, I can't wait for us to talk about a little bit more about who you mm-hmm. are and, and, and the books you've written because you are such an accomplished author. But, you know, I, I love that. And I think to me, that's, that is what I'm hearing. And I'm so excited for the times that I like gush about my kiddos and they're one and three and five and like, look, they're <laughs> walking or they took a shit in the potty or they like didn't piss their bed that night. And that's what I'm gushing about. I can't even imagine, you know, the life that my kiddos are going to have and what those sort of career moments and when they become parents, I can't even, it feels like such a faraway thought, but thank you so much for sharing that with our audience. I just love that so much. Oh, you're welcome. I mean, you know, it, it like when they're little, you're in the thick of it and you're, you feel like it's just never, ever going to end. And, and I remember when my girls were little, it's like, and I write about this in both my parenting books, raising your kids without losing your cool and parenting your teen without losing your cool is that parents in one, one respect, it's my opinion that because I'm so far on the other side of it is that when you raise them, you've got to raise them with the big picture mindset, you know, like you're raising a whole human. I think that what happens a lot of times in parenting now is people are parenting in micro moments, like, oh, I'm parenting a one-year-old or, oh, I'm parenting a five-year-old rather than realizing that everything you do right now is going to be with them forever right? Like everything you put in or the things you don't put in, like if you want your kids to have a certain kind of character, you know, you want them to be honest, you want them to be kind, you want them to be generous. Like you've got to start developing that in them now when they're little, right? Because if you wait until they can comprehend what those things are and what those things mean, um, you're going to be, you're going to miss the boat, right? By then they'll be formed and developed and you're going to have a situation where you're like, oh, wow. So I've got this kid who loves to lie. And now how do I break that you know, pattern and that habit in them. So I, I'm a big fan of like parent big picture, you know, parent for the person you want them to be and how you want them to move in, in the world, you know, God forbid, we're not always going to be with them. Right. And you want to know that they can stand on their own two feet. So, um, you know, it was a lot of touch and go with our girls. I mean, we had, you know, we had a lot, a lot of the things you hear about, like we had you know, struggles with mental illness with them. We had, you know, struggles with eating disorders and self-harm and, you know, drugs and bad boyfriends and, you know, moving with the wrong crowd. I mean, we went through all of it and, you know, there, it, a lot of it was scary. So all I can say is with your five and three and one-year-old, just enjoy them shitting in the potty right now. And get all over me, baby. Coming. Do it. <laughs> I, I live in the land of shit and vomit and piss right now. So that's uh, my, my job. <laughs> I do too, but mine are doggies. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So let's talk about your books. I remember when you, when you launched the first book, which is uh, Raising Your Kids Without Losing Your Cool. 
talk about that book and let's talk about your next book. Let's talk about what is it like to raise your kids without losing your cool. You have three daughters really close in age. You're a young mom. When you start this journey, you know, your husband is in and out of Hollywood. He's a celebrity. You're moving coast to coast nonstop and you have kids, girls growing up in the time that we're growing up. What is losing? What is raising your kids without losing your cool? What, What does that mean to you? Well, what it means to me, actually, and it's kind of just, it's it's completely a play on words because the reality is I think that, and, and what inspired me to write these books is one, witnessing how parenting had shifted so quickly from the time of our eldest girl to our youngest girl, right? I mean, there's eight years between them, 33 and 25. And I was really gobsmacked to see you know, as our younger one was going to school, how much it had changed. Like all of a sudden, everybody gets a ribbon just for showing up, you know, and everybody gets a passing grade because the parents, you know, stumped their feet enough to make it. So, so I was troubled by that because I feel like, you know, we can, we can, we can hold that as much as we want, but the world doesn't necessarily operate like that. You know, it's not, you know, if your kid goes out and has a job, and just decides like they're not going to show up for their shift because they just don't want to like there are consequences right like you got to there are rules and 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 whether we like them or not or whether we agree with them or not the world operates the world the way it does so that was part of what inspired me to write the books was that i wanted parents to think big picture you know again that long game mentality rather than oh well it's okay if they you know hit me and pushed me and call me names when they're little cuz they'll grow out of it well, no, <laughs> they actually won't. You, When you allow a child to behave that way, you're basically creating a pattern of behavior where they think it's okay. And it's going to be a lot harder to change. So that was the one side of the book. And then the other side of the book was that, um, and where it came from was just watching social media blow up. And, you know, it always has been like keeping up with the Joneses in life. It's a tale as old as time, right? Our parents struggled with it. My, I'm first generation Canadian. So my family came over as immigrants and, you know, they didn't even know the language and they were made fun of and bullied and all the things. Um, but what I noticed on social media was like, there were so many Instagrammers um, that were posting like motherhood was perfect and easy and, you know, looked a certain kind of way. Houses were huge and spectacular and clean and Christmases and holidays were just, you know, postcard perfect. And I just thought, wow, this is, this is going to really fuck up a lot of young moms because it's not like that at all. There are small moments like that, but the reality is you're cleaning up piss, shit, vomit. Your hormones are all over the place. You're, You're doing everything for the first time. You're meeting these children for the first time. Everything they go through, you've never experienced before you or them it's messy. It's messy, messy, messy. And it's hard. So the book really is how do you come back from losing your cool? Cause you're going to lose your cool. It's yeah. inevitable. You're yeah. going to lose your cool and you're going to be curled up in the fetal ball, you know, <laughs> fetal ball position so often, you know, and you're going to be outside yourself and you're going to be feeling like you're failing and you're just get, not getting it right. So the book was all about like, that's okay. Like you're okay. You're yeah. doing great. You're actually normal. This is normal. It's all normal. Being out of your depth is normal and you'll get through it. It it might take, you might be in a stage that's going to go on for years. Like with our girls with, you know, eating disorders, like that 
still lingers. Like I'm still helping my daughter through that, you know, as her body is healthy and she's a healthy weight and she's, you know, got a figure of a woman. She's, you know, again, struggling with looking in the mirror and being like, Oh my God, Oh my God, Oh my God. Like I've got to go back to doing blow and not eating. Cause I, I can't look at myself naked, you know? So, um, the, the role of parenting doesn't ever stop. And so, and that's how I rolled, you know, the kids book into the team book was just that for mothers to just really understand that it is complex and it is painful. And a lot of times it's lonely and you're, you're, you can be afraid through a lot of it, but it's all right. You'll get to the other side. And I'm just reading about your next book, which uh, I have in front of me, Parenting Your Team Without Losing Your Cool. Um, it's a survival guide to get through the teen years alive. I yeah. am I am petrified to parent my teen kids. Like I look at my kids now and I'm trying to, I'm not trying to look at anything from 10,000 feet. I'm really trying to be in the moment every day, but I yeah. am very scared to parent teenagers <laughs> as they enter that age and stage because I know what I was like and I was a fucking disaster of a kiddo. And I wasn't even that bad, but I was pretty yeah. bad. I mean, I have very fond memories, but very, I want to say traumatic memories of me being, calling my parents being like, okay, are you out for dinner? Okay. You're out for dinner. Great. Okay. All right. When are you going to be home? And then like basically bringing 25 people into my parents' house, like without telling them and then them basically moving all the cars around the corner from the house so that I would assume that they weren't there. And then them fucking walking and being like, all right, guys, party's over. And like my friends scrambling when I was 14. Like those are my memories of like, I was a shitty kid. I was smoking cigarettes. I was, you know, with boys all the time. So like, yeah. I don't know. I look at my own kids and I'm like, oh my God, like my son is blonde and blue eyed and a charming, kind boy. And my 15 year old babysitter I have now is like, he's going to be a wrecker in high school. I'm like, what's a wrecker? She's like, he's just going to get every girl and he's going to wreck them. I was like, oh my God, please don't tell me that. He's going to be that guy, you know? And my daughter is sassy as all anything. And she's a, she's a bitch. Like my three-year-old's a bitchy girl. And I'm like, you're going to be the coolest girl or the meanest girl in the class. And I'm going to have to fucking parent that shit. So I'm terrified. So tell me, give me the wisdom. Tell me three things I need to look forward to, how I can do this. How do I survive parenthood when I sort of magnify to my kiddos being teenagers? Help me, Chantel, what do I do? (laughs) And now, a word from our Mom Halo podcast sponsor. Who needs superheroes when we have moms? Kids and Company is Canada's leading provider of childcare with over 100 locations across the country and in the United States. They're celebrating their 20th anniversary this year, and with 20 years of experience in the childcare space, comes a ton of innovation in how they cater to their families. They have in-classroom webcams, an app that provides daily updates for parents, a from-scratch menu, and wonderful high-quality educators. These are just a few of the amazing things about Kids and Company. My daughter attends one of their centers and I can vouch for how incredible they are, far beyond others we've attended. They're offering families who register and start care by July 31st, 2022, a waived registration fee. That applies to new registrations only. Call their team at one eight six six my kidco to register for this offer. You won't regret it. 
Still dealing with leaky diapers? It's time to try Rascal and Friends. Designed with you and your little one in mind, Rascal and Friends Premium Diapers ticks all the boxes. Affordable, safe on sensitive skin, deliciously soft and super absorbent. Plus, their unique design provides up to 12 hours of leak production to keep your baby comfy and dry day and night. Join the thousands of parents making the switch and say goodbye to leaks. Shop Roscoe and Friends Premium Diapers, Training Pants, and Sensitive Wipes at Walmart today. Okay, well, the first thing is you're going to be consistent. That's the thing. And you got to keep it simple. Like, that was the thing that we had with our girls. We had three house rules. And we just kept it simple. And when they broke one of the house rules, there was a consequence for us. And I don't, and I say this in both my books. I don't know that if, if today I was parenting, if I would do this, but back then, like we had the rule, like you would get a spanking, like, and it was very structured. We had the rules. We had family conversations. We had family meetings and we're like, okay, these are the three rules. Remember. And if you do it, you get two, you get two little pats on the backside. And then we talk through, do you understand why you had that consequence? Do you understand what part of your behavior brought this consequence and and it was very structured, but I don't know that I would do it today. I would, I I appreciate the mindset behind it and the the logic behind it, but I don't know. uh, Cause for our eldest girl, that was really hard on her. Like she still talks about it. Like she's like, wow, knowing that I was getting spanked, it was like very, very caused a huge amount of anxiety in her. So, you know, and we developed that in her by, you know, being like, okay, go to your room and in five minutes we'll come in. So, you know, there are fallouts to some of the things that you'll do as a parent. And all you can do is when you've gone through it and you've done it, you've made your choices is go backward and apologize, right? And and let them know that you understand and appreciate that it was not the best thing for them, you know? And this is the thing, right? You can have three kids and you just explain, you know, your two couldn't be more different. And it's not just because they're boys and girls. It's just, they're different, right? Kids have different attitudes. They're raised in the same house by the same people with the same <laughs> rules and expectations. And yet they're going to behave differently. Like I'm sure your brother, if you have brothers or sisters, weren't running around smoking and smuggling kids in the house, right? Like I was a pain in the ass to my mom too. So um, I think that's the biggest key I say to parents is that Pick the things that matter with your partner, with your parenting partner, pick the big things, like pick the things that you know in other adults, you can't stand. And you would be mortified if your kids were like that. Like if for you, the idea of your son being a heartbreaker and a player and a douchebag makes you want to throw up, then parent him in a way that that won't happen, right? Like you are in control of the kind of boy that he turns out to be you and your partner. So, um, it's really, really important that parents work together and they, you know, they talk about, okay, well, I don't want Essa to be a bitch. I want her to be a leader and I want her to be the kind of person that's empathetic and compassionate to kids that might be being bullied. I want her to lead kids to be strong and be independent and to be, you know, the one that stands up for other people. So you can take that spice that she has, but mold it into the positive side of all that energy, right. And that personality that she has. So it takes work and it just takes consistency and you just got to do the same stuff over and over and over and over again until you see that they are, you know, the kind of human beings you want them to be. And I know I get a lot of shit from people. They're like, well, my kid, I'm not going to fucking put anything on my kid. Well, okay. Let's see how that goes. Let's, let's see what happens to your kiddo in 20 years. If you've literally not given them any structure guidelines or expectation of behavior, because whether we like it or not, the world still has expectations of how we behave out and how we move in it. 
I love it. I mean, it's funny. I find like two things I've intercamped recently that I would love your insight on. Number one is like my generation of parents have so much information about parenting. You know, my parents' generation, they had like Dr. Spock. They had nothing. They had no (laughs) understanding of like, you know, there, there are ways to actually talk to kids and to Mm -hmm. parent without spanking or to, you know, um, to, to bring kiddos up into this world, to be good whole people that isn't necessarily like we actually have science and data and experts. I mean, we have a community of parenting experts yourself writing parenting books that that didn't really exist for my parents' generation. And as you right. sort of noted, you're a parent, you're a child of an immigrant. Like that, how you were raised and how your parents were raised um, in a completely different culture, obviously informed the ways in, that they coped with you as a kiddo, right? So I Oh, 100%. Right? And that that's informative. And, like, you know, kids were, like, seen and not, not heard. Or, you know, yeah. we have a lot of community members. Um, Toronto is as diverse as, you know, as the sky, stars in the sky. We have a lot of friends from our community who grew up in Caribbean countries. And if they had to smack their kids and wash their mouth <laughs> that was soap because that boy stepped out of line... In certain public settings, there, there could be major consequences, right? With exactly. the stuff like that. So I think like exactly. parenting now, we have so many conversations about parenthood now. Um, and I feel so skilled. Like I actually feel quite tooled up in my parenting playbook because I feel like women like you, thank God, right? Thank God, thank you for writing these motherfucking <laughs> books because, you know, it, it really does offer insight. And I kind of, I'm a studier. I'm a little bit, not really a type A, but I like to plan ahead. I'll give you an example. My kiddo is five and his bar yep. in seven years. I'm already looking for venues, right? Like I'm very, <laughs> I like to plan ahead. So I'm thinking about- Girl, can you help me? Cause I'm like, I'm like the 11th hour. I'm no. planning shit in the 11th hour. I need- I need some of you. Oh, I love, love, love. Like, I'm like, oh, Elias's bar mitzvah. Where should we book his venue? I'm so bananas <laughs> that way. Um, but I love the idea of thinking about teenagehood right now, right? Yeah. Um, you're publishing these books. When you're thinking about these books, can you give us maybe a few pieces of, you know, peel back a bit? I know the book hasn't dropped yet, but what are sort of the main threads of teenagehood that's different than when you say other parenting moments? Right. Okay. So raising your kids and parenting your teen are currently both out. So they okay. are available. Great. The one I know I'm, I, I move so fast. The one that's coming out or will be just dropping when we have this podcast go live is lose is loving yourself without losing your cool. And of losing your cool. Okay. Yeah. So the parenting your teen, um, you know, when you, the thing with, with any parenting is you've got to know your child. And I talk about this so, so, so much is like, and what I witness around me again, you know, because my only Rory is only eight months. My grandson's only eight months is there's so much distracted parents. So going back to what you said, yes, parents have got a lot of access to information, but parents are also more distracted than they've ever been. And I, I've been saying this for two years is like the parents now who have parented through this first global pandemic are rock stars, warriors, superheroes, and nobody can make me think any differently because I have to tell you, it was bananas. Our girls were all adults throughout it, but I mean, it was still hard. Like we, they lost their jobs. Uh, our middle girl had to move back in, in into the home with us in LA. 
you know, my daughter was pregnant, the eldest girl pregnant, miscarried and couldn't have anybody there with her. Um, you know, and then got pregnant again and was able to, you know, but her whole, her whole pregnancy, she was alone in her apartment, you know, didn't have that, that sisterhood, that woman's community that we all have, you know, been so fortunate to enjoy, like you said, because you're gleaning information, right. From other moms and you're, and you're, you're growing and you're, you're already starting to fill your toolbox when you have access to other women, you know, when you have access to all this information. But <clears throat> what I, what I've noticed is that parents need to, and again, it goes back to this big picture, long game mentality. And, and I also like, I say parenting is a sprint. It's not a marathon. It's, it's a marathon, not a sprint, right? Like you've got to prepare yourself and you've got to be in communication with your child, like really know your child, like talk to them because they're going to tell you what they want. They're going to tell you what they need and we need to listen, right? So it's all about honoring your kid and who they are as a human being. And that's something that I learned along the way. And we all learn it along the way, right? So going back to what you're saying about, you know, planning, it's great to be planning. So why not take that one step further and ask your child to be a part of the planning process with you, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? Like I I did a, I did a, a talk on March break, for example, and parents were like, well, how do you get through March break without losing your cool? Well, communication. And that's how you're going to get through parenting your kids and parenting your teen without losing your pools by communicating with your kid. You know, so I'm a big, I'm a big talker, as you can tell. So I really feel strongly about communication, 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 ask questions and be in their business, be close with them, ask them what they need, ask them where you feel like they're, they're not supported and just develop that deep relationship with them right from the get go. Yeah. I love that. I, I think you're right. I find that my eldest, my son, who's five, <laughs> it feels so silly even talking <laughs> about it, but I find that we actually have a really good communication situation going on. Him and I are always in communication. And, you know, so the, the ways that we talk to kids this age, we say, I know you're having some big feelings right now. Acknowledge the feelings, right? That's some of the best yep. areas that I've learned. And as soon as I say that, he the barrier comes down, the tantrum stops. He can then take a breath and say, yes, this is what happened or this is what is happening. Um, and I, I feel like I do know my kids pretty deeply and pretty well. And I'm I love so that. Fortunate to have, like, um, with my career and my lifestyle to be super enmeshed in their lives. And I'm super invested in them. They're my kids. I love them, you know? Um, yes. I, I think that's sometimes, you know, a problem for me because I'll give you the other example. Um, my parents and I haven't really seen each other over the pandemic. And I'm, I agree with you. Pandemic moms, like the ones who are first time moms right now experiencing this, my heart bleeds for them because like, almost everything I learned in the first year of being a mom, exactly like what your daughter's going through. I had this neighbor who turned into be my best friend and she was like a little bit more experienced than me. And I learned everything from her, how to set up my house, how to breastfeed my kid, how to play to dinner for my toddlers, like all the ages and stages because I got to be with somebody and witness how they did it. And I, I love feel that almost like a virtual responsibility to so many of our moms in our community to set up those moments where they can learn virtually about how to do those things because they're not getting the same access to mamas right. who are a little bit, like just a smidgen more in the vintage of motherhood to show them the path. <laughs> so, um, you know, I, yeah. I completely feel for your daughter. I really do. Um, and I know like, you know, probably your relationship and your insight now as mom um, has changed with her also. Cause I know like, my love and respect for my own mother, like 
magnified a thousand million when I had my kids. I was like, holy fucking shit, you did this four times and we were not easy, kiddos. <laughs> so God bless you. Like, it just made me my, worship my mom. Yeah. What's interesting yeah. now, with my folks, because I haven't seen them during the pandemic very much. My dad's, are, my dad's in his 70s. My mom's in her 60s. Um, as we did just spend the weekend with them over Easter, over Passover. Oh, Passover and yeah. my dad was trying to parent my kids. Like he was trying to discipline them in his way. And my father is a big, booming presence. And he'd be like, Essa, get down from there. And she would like start bawling immediately. And I'd be like, dad, she can't actually hear your words. All she hears is yelling. I had to like yeah. school him on how to talk to my kids. So I said to my mom recently, like, I can't be around dad for long periods of time. If he's going to try to fucking discipline my kids, cause it's not going to work for me. So it's interesting to see the different sort of, um, I want to say vintage of parents and how they approach parenthood. What do you think about that? Well, well, what, I, I love that because I'm a new grandma, right? So we're learning as we go, even like how to suggest to her how to let him cry sleep a little bit, you know, and not run every time he makes a sound and just give him the ability and help him to learn how to self-soothe and how to, you know, problem solve. Because, I mean, these are skills they're going to need their whole lives anyway, right? It's like, so, you know, dipping my toe in, you know, be, giving her advice when it's not soft. Right. And that's the difficult thing as a parent. So I think, you know, and this is the thing. I think what you ran into with your dad is not unusual. And it's it's totally normal that your daughter would have that reaction. Our middle daughter used to have that reaction too around my dad. Um, it's if somebody doesn't have a relationship with them, the child is going to see it as a as an attack. Like you're saying she's three, the pandemic's been going on for more than two years she wouldn't have any knowing of who he is in her life. Like who, how, how does he fit in and why is he yelling at me? You know? So it would, of course it would throw her off guard and, and, and scare her. And, and I think it's, it's important that we grandparents understand that they're not our children, right? Like your kids are not his kids and he can't address your kids the way he would have addressed you because he doesn't have that intimate relationship. You know, he doesn't have that, they, they don't know that they can trust him. They don't know how much he loves them. You know, even though he does love them and they can trust him, they don't know that because they don't have that interaction. They have nothing, you know, to, to draw the line back to, you know, they're just like, Oh God, we're this guy we've seen six times in our lives is all of a sudden yelling, you know? So yeah. it's really important yeah. to, for, for grandparents to understand the boundary, right. And understand that these children, though they are an extension of your children are not your children. Yes. And you cannot address them and you cannot be in a relationship with them the way that you were with your kids because the space is not available. It's just not available to them yeah. in that way. So, you know, I'm very aware of that. And Yannick is also very aware of that. So we're already starting our relationship with Rory from that position. And it's important that, you know, and it's great that you talk to your mom. And hopefully she'll pass it on to your dad. And oh no, you know, I told him too. I was like, Dad, I love you, but you cannot just do my children. Okay, good. I fucking love good. you, but like save it, save it for somebody else, honestly. No, I think that's really important. Yeah, save I, it for one of my siblings. <laughs> I, was, I can't wait to until I hope like I hope your next book is gonna be like how to be a grandparent without losing your cool. Because I do think there's like an interesting 
multi-generational, intergenerational thing happening right now. And like, like you are, you're a young grandmother. You are a very young grandmother, right? And your kiddos are, are going through this thing where you want to watch your boundaries, right? You're trying not to misstep, overstep. You know that right. some of your voice is being heard. Some of it's not being heard, you know? Um, so I think that's a really special, special moment and, and almost an aha moment for me on this call. Um, because I know perhaps like some parents, grandparents are quite involved in their kiddos' lives on a daily basis. Um, there's so many different ways that families are configured and so right. many ways that people, I want to say, like interact with, or as I say, child support uh, caregivers, right? Like grandparents are right. often caregivers. I know myself, yeah. when I'm walking around Sick Kids Hospital with my youngest who's medically complex, there's so many times we're like admitted for some sort of minor or major heart issue. And there's the grandparent is the main person there, right? So it's so interesting to mm-hmm. see the different configurations of families and how that interplays. But in the intersection of how our parents were raised and how we raise our kiddos and then how they then interact, for instance, someone like yourself with your own daughter's kiddos. I just think it's fascinating. What do you think? Well, it is fascinating because the reality is, is that, and, and, and I say this a lot is that we, we all need to live our lives with less judgment first and foremost. Like we all need to step back. We, none of us knows what is going on in somebody else's life, in their home, in their, their, their own emotional and mental health. Like we don't know. And we're so quick to throw judgment out. And then with our judgment, social media has created a whole group of people that feel like not only can they have those judgmental thoughts, but they have the right and the liberty to then spew that out and make the person they're judging hear it, know it, and feel it and absorb it without knowing the background, without having any context whatsoever as to why somebody might be making the choices that they're making. For example, like you with Henry, you know, um, you might do things that, you know, parenting people might not think is cool. Like maybe he sleeps in your family bed or, or whatever, like whatever your reasons of how you hold him close, which I mean, I think you're a goddess. I, I, I mean, I've been watching your journey with Henry and honestly, yeah. it would be, it would be so difficult and painful just having what you're going through with Henry alone. But then you have two other kids that came before him that, you know, have an expectation of a relationship with you that they used to have, you know, and there's, you must be being pulled and pushed in so many ways. And I just think that you're beautiful and incredible. And I, I, I love watching how you're, how you're going through this journey that, you know, you didn't plan for, right? And you're a planner. So that must be incredibly, incredibly difficult for somebody who's a planner. That means so much coming from you. And I think what you're sort of alluding to is actually your upcoming book, right? Is how to not lose your cool with yourself, right? How do we judge ourselves less? Do you want to speak to that for a minute? Tell us a little bit more about this book and what we can expect from it. Yeah, well, you know, I wrote the parenting books first because they were on my heart and I just wanted to kind of get a jump start on giving another perspective to parenting about really it's your own business, how you want to raise your child. And if you want to have a little bit more structure in your family home, if you want to have, you know, more defined boundaries with your child, I think that the books really, you know, not that anybody needs my fucking permission, but I, the, the raising your kids and parenting your teen books were really about giving parents permission to parent however the fuck they want to, because ultimately they're your people right? And you've got to put them out in the world and they're going to carry your name and you've got to spend the rest of your life with them. 
So who cares what people are doing on Instagram? Who cares what your neighbors are doing? If it doesn't resonate with you, then you parent from your place of truth. And so these books were really about giving people the space to understand that it's okay if you want to do it different. And if you have an idea in your head and you want to have a little bit more of a traditional parenting experience, go for it, do your thing. And so, and then a lot of people, because I've been with Yannick for 34 years, and as you said earlier, like we've traveled and he's, you know, Canadian celebrity and, you know, there's a lot of shit that goes with that. And, you know, we've been through a lot of shit. I was going to write a relationship book because a lot of people have asked me like, how the fuck, how the fuck. But what I realized is that, and, you know, I, 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 I'm very, I listen to spirits and I listen to the divine and I know that I'm kind of just a vessel and stuff's coming through me. So the divine was like, no, 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 no. You need to talk about how to love yourself because if you cannot heal yourself, if you're not healed, if you're not, if you don't know yourself and what you even need, how can you have a good successful relationship with anybody, whether it be friendships or intimate relationships or family, you know? So, um, that's where loving yourself without losing your cool came to pass and why it's the third book. Um, and it's out May 26th and it's really, really about understanding that, um, we all have our shit and your shit might be like, I was sexually abused and I was raped and I was abused from the time I was like sexually abused from the time I was nine to 15 from a whole gamut of different people. And um, that's another reason why I wrote the book. Don't raise asshole boys who take things that don't belong to them, right? Raise good men, <laughs> raise good men who understand that yes. you can't just take from a girl just because you want it. Um, so there are a lot of reasons why I write my books, but, um, so the loving yourself piece was really about your trauma doesn't need to be like that. Like your trauma can just be, you know, intense bullying for year after year, or it can be neglect from a parent, or it can be poverty. Like we all carry trauma. And unless we get to the point where we recognize that we have it and we understand how it's shaped and formed us, then we're no good to anybody. We're no good to, mostly we're no good to ourselves. So um, yeah, that's why it's the third book because I really want to help anybody, you know, come to be in peace within themselves so that, you know, life is both simultaneously too long and too short to be, um, in pain and, and to not get the most out of your one life that you can. So it's my hope that my book will help people get over things they need to get over and let go of things they need to let go of so that they can live holy. Thank you for sharing those sort of capital T trauma moments with us. Um, I'm not sure I knew all those things, so I appreciate your candidness. And you've said so much here today. Like, I, there's so many pearls of wisdom <laughs> and you, you, your personality. You're just like, if I just, I fucking love you, man. Like, you're just so awesome. And, and I, and we're just coming to the end of our podcast here t- together. <laughs> Tell us if there's one thing you want people to hear today, if it's something you've already said or a, a new thought, if they hear nothing else, what do you want them to take home from heat from you on this, on this, on this day? Um, I would say as somebody who, um, and it's interesting cause I've just had a really, really rough five days of just like self doubt. So, you know, and, and, you know, I struggled with mental illness because of all the trauma that I carried that I didn't even recognize was trauma until 
probably my my early 30s I didn't know I why I was built the way I was built and then I started to do the work really in earnest um I think the thing that I I want everybody to take away from you know hanging out with us here today is just have grace on yourself you know give yourself a lot of lot of grace you're you're human everything that you encounter every day is the first time you're encountering it you know like because every day is different and every day is new so there'll be things that'll come up that'll might trigger you or might cause you to lose your cool or you know it's it's just it's so important that we we are kinder to ourselves you know i feel especially for women we tend to be really really hard on ourselves so i just i want i want everybody to extend more grace to themselves and more grace to everybody really I love that. And let that be the, the list. If that's the golden lining of this entire pandemic is let's just leave with grace. And, you know, we don't know what's happening in somebody's behind their closed doors and, and, and just treat them with complete kindness. I love that so much. Uh, If people want to find you, what are your coordinates please online and otherwise please share. Yeah. So um, on ChantelBison.com, you can get all my goodies. Like I have a daily journal that is really focused on, and I said this earlier, consistency, like going over the same things over and over until you really release them from, you know, your subconscious. So uh, I have a daily journal without losing your tool. You can get it there. I have love notes for kids and teens and tweens and, you know, parents can put little love notes in their, in their bed or on their bathroom mirror when they're struggling and going through stuff. Um, my books are available there too. Um, and you can find me on Instagram. That's kind of where I'm hanging out. I'm sort of dipping my toe in TikTok, but I don't know. But everything yeah. is Chantel Bisson. So uh, you can it. find me everywhere as who I am. Just me. Thank you for this inspiring time together, folks. Have a great day if you're listening. And thank you, Chantel, once again. Bye, everybody. Bye. <laughs> Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode of the Mom Halo podcast, I'd love your support by sharing it with others, posting about us on social, or leaving a really good rating and review. To catch all the latest from me, you can follow me on Instagram at the Mom Halo. Thanks so much, and I'll see you next time. Sick Kids is helping redefine what's possible in pediatrics. Also, children can lead healthier, happier lives. In 2021, Project Halo raised over $150,000 to help build a new sick kids designed to better serve patients and families. This will include spaces devoted to parents and caregivers, spaces to feel calm, relief, and rest. We are calling on our community again this year to join us in helping build a state-of-the-art hospital. Together, there are no limits to what we can achieve. To learn more and to donate, go to fundraise.sickkidsfoundation.com backslash Project Mom Halo. Thank you for your generosity and support.